This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, today we've got special return guests to the podcast. That is Brian Andrews and Jeff Wilson. They are normally called just Andrews and Wilson. They are the best-selling co-author team of the Tier 1 Thriller series, Sons of Valor, and the Shepherd series, which includes their latest book, which is right here in front of me. I love it. It is called Dark Fall. So this is the third of six. So they thought they were just doing one trilogy of this series, but it's going to be going on to do a second trilogy. So it's going to be six books in total. Both of these guys are veterans of the United States military, and they're veterans of this podcast. So if you want to hear their other interviews, because we went over you know some of the basic stuff in a lot of those other interviews. Go back to episodes 228, 235, and 297. So they've been on 228, 235, and 297. So in this podcast, we, we talk about you know kind of what it's like being you know a tandem team, like kind of what things look like whenever they're both writing. I finally asked them like, hey, how do you guys deal with conflict? Because surely you write all these books together, you can't always get along and always understand where the other person's coming from. So how do you deal with that? I really like their answer to that. We dug into Dark Fall. We dug into some really interesting things about like, Hey, what happens, you know, at the end of this series? Are you guys planning to, you know, wrap it up in a nice tight little bow? Are we going to kind of wrap it up where it teases something else? You know, are you going to leave people, you know, wanting more? Are you you know, cuz every show's a little different, every band's a little different. Some people change their sound, some people change their feel. And so we kind of get into that a little bit. We also talk about men that don't read because that's one thing that is just, it's a dearth in the Christian men's space and also these other spaces is these publishing houses know that men don't read and how that puts you at such a disadvantage as a man. And we can talk about, you know, the fact that that's going to potentially, you know, help you or lead to you maybe getting Alzheimer's or something like that to where you're not going to be able to stave that off, how you're not exercising your brain because you're too busy exercising your body or you're exercising neither. And then your your brain basically becomes mush over time because you're not testing yourself. We get into all of that. So I really, really enjoyed those guys. They come on here. They're going to come on here at least once a year because they're such prolific writers, but we love having them on. And before we get into the interview, just want to remind you guys that we are affiliated with Origin Maine. So guys, you've heard me talk about them very, very much so. So we talked about Origin. We talked about Jocko Fuel. So on the Origin side, guys, they make the best jujitsu geese on the planet. They also make boots. They've also got jeans. And then they just have such great stuff that they make here in the United States. Everything that they produce is made here in the United States. And it's just such a cool thing to watch a company like that grow and to expand. I know they just got some new looms going so they can get more geese out there to you guys. And then also on the Jocko Fuel side, they've got protein, they've got energy drinks, they've got supplements, they've got all that stuff. I know a lot of you guys out there are supporters of Origin Maine and of Jocko Fuel. So you can go to their website to try out their products and you can use my promo code as a as a nice little service to you guys to get 10% off your order so the website is in the show notes but it's just originmain.com main like the state originmain.com and again geese jeans boots protein energy drinks supplements a whole bunch of other stuff use the promo code Kyle just my first name K-Y-L-E to get 10% off of your order so guys let's get Andrews and Wilson in here so without further ado let's get into it Andrews and Wilson, welcome back to Undaunted Life of Man's podcast. Hey, man. Good to see you again. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. That's that's always the thing is I don't know what to say. I don't know. Do I say Andrews and Wilson? Do I say Brian Andrews and Jeff Wilson? You know, which one of you talks first? Like, y'all, y'all should be used to that by now, though, because you keep getting stuck in the same interview, you know, like, but but who the heck is supposed to talk? Like, how have y'all figured that out? I mean, I guess the most comfortable thing is if you can just say Jeff and his assistant or something. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we can certainly make something like that work. Brian, you should not accept this level of abuse. I mean, you guys have been on the show. I think this is the fourth time you've been on the show now. So uh, y'all should be, uh, you know, veterans at this by now. The thing that I do want to get into before we get into too much else is y'all were just talking off air about a event that you have coming up that you guys are going to be speaking at. Because guys, if you're listening to this on time, we're going to be talking about a book, the new book that you guys just released. But there's something coming up here. I, I don't know. I think it's within a week of when this episode is dropping. So you guys tell me a little bit about that event and then we'll go from there. Yeah, so we're very excited. We're going to be um, going to the Battle Scarred Conference. It's the first Battle Scarred Conference for veterans at uh, the Calvary Chapel out in Costa Mesa, California. And um, the goal here is really, I think, maybe threefold, wouldn't you say, Jeff? I mean, a little bit ambitious. It's not only to just to bring veterans together, but it's to offer... Um, you know, a, a networking opportunity for uh, guys to come together, but also an opportunity to maybe start to address some of the, the things that they've been unco uncomfortable addressing maybe in their lives. Uh, talk about healing, talk about faith, talk about, you know, maybe next steps, how you can leverage this community without sort of feeling shame or feeling uncomfortable doing that. Yeah, I, we're, we're excited to be part of it. It's an honor to speak there. But I think what has impressed us the most is, like Brian was saying, how broad their approach is. It's not, it's not going to be, uh, you know, church, church for veterans. It's going to be very broad. I'm not saying there's not going to be faith uh, that's going to be brought forward. As you know, Brian and I have a big passion for two things, which is veterans lifting each other up in all circumstances and this idea of crisis and faith that we, you know, put into the threads in our books and stuff. And so all of that will be there. But how cool is it that they're bringing in all these vendors, all these different resources, whether it's finding a business partner, whether it's help with transitioning from military to civilian, whether it's struggling with issues of faith, struggling with PTS, whatever the military and veteran issue is, there's going to be something represented here. It's going to be very, very broad in its focus. It is ambitious. Brian's right. Um, but a really cool way. And I think the coolest thing about it is that it's it's an opportunity for veterans and military members to come together in community because that's the first step, no matter what the issue or even if there is no issue. Moving on from the military is often a struggle simply because of that loss of identity and community. So if nothing else, come out if you're in the Costa Mesa area, come out to this thing and just be in community with your fellow service members, your fellow veterans, um, and make some new friends, make some new connections that can be networking, but also just, you know, friendships and, and uh, fellowship. So. Yeah, so guys, that is November the 12th, so if you're listening to this on time, that'll definitely apply to you, and that's music to the ears of a lot of guys that listen to this show. We have a lot of veterans, we have a lot of active duty that listen to this, and you know, a lot of these communities, even the greater community, because I grew up in Lawton, Fort Sill, so even though I wasn't in the military, even though no one in my immediate family was in the military, Anytime something happened that affected the U.S. military directly, it affected us because we were part of the greater community. And so there's a lot of value, not just for veterans to come out and get some stuff from that for, to their families, to the greater community. I would definitely co-sign that. Now, we can't obviously rehash everything from every other episode that you guys have done on this show. I said in the intro, all the other episodes you guys have been on and all that. But for those that are new to this, they're going to be surprised to know that there are people out here writing these amazing novels, but doing it as a team because everyone's had that horrible college experience where they were stuck on the, the team writing, you know, project and they had to write a, write something with multiple people. The idea of writing something with somebody and having your career attached to it sounds absolutely miserable. Like I can't, I can't possibly imagine that, but that's what you guys do. You've been doing this for a very, very long time now. So as a way of introduction to you guys as writers, 
How in the world does that work? How do y'all co-write these great novels? It's just like in school. It's just like in school where there's that one guy that does nothing and someone does. So Brian does all the work. Great. Great. And then what I do is I go on interviews and take all the credit. And, Excellent. Uh, and we get the same grade because it's a group project. <laughs> That's uh, right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, th- we were talking just a moment ago with this with this appearance that we're doing about military life and, and the fellowship of military members. And that's really the secret sauce to us as a writing team. When you say, Brian, it's that team and mission before self. There's not a, there's no ego involved. There's no my chapter, your chapter, my character, your character. We just come together as as uh, as men and military men and try to uh, accomplish the mission of telling a great story. And if you start from there, then all the difficulty you remember from college of being in on that right. group project, it all disappears because we both take equal responsibility for one another and for the project. Well, I appreciate that, Jeff. And before you hop in here, Brian, I have kind of a follow-up on that because you guys understand rhythms and momentum and things like that. And so like what happens, I don't know if this has ever happened because you said you don't say, hey, you write the odd number chapters, I'll write the even number chapters. But what if what if one of you guys gets on a serious heater? Like where it's like, no, you're, you're feeling the characters and, and kind of the narrative, maybe more at that moment. Maybe the other guy's got a little bit of writer's block going on. Do y'all ever have these moments where one guy is basically taking a huge chunk of stuff in the row because for whatever reason, they understand this part of the narrative better, or, or am I making this a little bit too Hollywood? No, I think that's real life. And because we're writing multiple series, there's an added complexity of, we always have uh, three books in various stages of production. So a perfect example of that is, you know, we just were working on finishing um, Sons of Valor 3. And so we're we're working with a a great developmental editor and he pointed out some areas where he thought maybe we could punch up some elements in this story, maybe add some some great, some additional material at the end of the book. So uh, Jeff was like, all right, I'm going to take this. And he, he took that that uh, assignment, I guess, shall we say, he took that assignment. And, uh, you know, while he's working on that, I just, I'm working on my chapters in uh, the Shepherd's Book 4, which is called Dark Rising. And that will be coming out um, about, I don't know, 14 months after Dark Fall. Um, But, you know, like you said, maybe I picked up a couple extra chapters that I didn't think I'd be working on. And so, I had some flow going in that in that narrative uh, that he wasn't a part of. Now he's back. We I caught him up on what I did, and uh, he's back, and we're back co-writing on that on that book. But you know that the, the reverse of that can happen too, or maybe I have to step away and he has to carry the load on on the new book. Yeah, and that distribution of labor I think is um, is the key to our success because we don't ever look at it as well. I wrote twelve pages, and you wrote nine. First of all, there's so much to do with multiple series that we're both working all day, every day. But um, I don't think that there's any ever any page counting or word counting or, you know, I did this while you did that. You edited last time. So I'm going to edit this time. We don't do that. It's just like, here's the mission for the day. Here's what needs to be done. What's the most efficient way to do it? And there are times when I have to say, look, Brian's going to do a better job because what needs to be done on this part, he's just better at that. Uh, and so I'm going to have to do this thing that maybe I don't want to do because I want it to be efficient and he's going to do better. He'll be faster or whatever. So there's just a little bit of self-awareness, I think, yeah. that's required too. to say, look, I, I don't want to do this, but I'm better at this. And so it'll be faster if I do it. And 
So Brian, you get to write the chapter that I fell in love with and I wanted to write. That actually literally just happened, right? Like I was, he, he, while I was doing these edits, he wrote <laughs> this chapter that I was so excited about, but it doesn't matter. Like it's, it's a great, it turned out exactly the way I would have done it probably anyway. It's perfect. It's going to be great. All the work got done and that's what matters. Well, I wonder if now would be a good time for us all to put the masks down. You've, you've been on this podcast for a long time. You've been very <laughs> diplomatic in your answers. I want to know, I want to know what happens when there's conflict. And I mean, real conflict where it's like, no, this is my chapter. I'm clearly better than you at this exact moment. Like, or, or just something to where like, literally there's just a creative difference where you think, you know, the series should go in this direction. It should bend towards this narrative arc for this character and yada, yada, yada. Like, how do you figure that out? Because obviously you guys work as a 50-50 team. There's nobody with 51% ownership of the Andrews and Wilson name as far as I know. So it's not like either one of you has a ace of spades or a trump card as it were. But like, how does conflict work? Because you're not going to lie to me and tell me you haven't had any. So tell me how you work through it. So you're, it's a great question and it's going to be a bit of a disappointing answer because it's not that we've never disagreed, but I can honestly say we've never had conflict in that disagreement. So here's... Here's the way we handle it. First of all, you have to understand that writing a book, when you write a book, um, you're just you're just starting when you're done because real novels become beautiful in the editing phase. Right. And you know that you've done a lot of writing. So um, that's the first thing I'll say is that we don't worry about like who's if you're wrong, it's not the end of the universe. Right. So there have been times for sure. I think Brian had backed me up on this one. We're like, he thinks it should go in this direction. We think it should go in that. I think it should go in that other direction. And so we'll get on a call. We'll get on a Zoom. We'll chat about it. He'll make his case and I'll make my case. The way we generally do it is so far, there's never been one where he passionately thinks the one thing and I passionately feel the other way. You know, he might say, well, I'm not sure that's the right direction, but you seem very passionate about it. So let's do it. And if it's terrible, we'll change it. Like it's not irrevocable. Um, and so we approach it from that attitude of like, this seems like you, you feel pretty strongly about this. Let's do it your way. And if it sucks, we'll change it. Um, and so I can't think of an example, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure that there's ever been a time where we've come to that point where it's like, okay, you seem to think that's going to work. I disagree. Let's go your way. Have we ever done that and then changed it back? If, if so, I can't think. We never changed it back, but I think it's worth getting into maybe some of the meat. I know what, what Kyle wants to go with this. And so maybe we take it to the next level, which is sort of, you know, you want to know how we resolve conflict. Mm. And I think one of the important things to recognize is that we're both guys that are in our mid career. And I think we have learned independently, maybe even before we started working together that losing your temper and, you know, bat butting heads for us in our personality types, that is not effective for contact uh, conflict resolution. So I think, you know, I can think of a couple of examples, Jeff, where we've been upset with third parties and you and I have ventilated to each other and, you know, we've maybe lost our temper, you know, saying, I can't believe this person said this or did that. And what we sort of do is we collectively walk each other back from the cliff and we calm down the other guy or maybe we both calm down and then once the cool heads have sort of taken over, we either craft that email or we come up with the strategy for how we're going to go back to that person. And I think one of the really beautiful things about our working relationship, our partnership is 
we've realized we're not going to come at the other guy like that. So if we're frustrated or there's something we're not sure of, I think we've taken the tact of, you know, yelling at Jeff or him yelling at me about something that, like he said, is probably not a big deal. Like in the, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't really deserve to get upset about, you know, we walk that back. And so I think that's that element of conflict, conflict resolution is probably worth talking about, you know, when you feel like I need to go at somebody, how do you pull yourself back, collect your thoughts and make a more reasonable argument? Well, I got to be honest. I couldn't be more disappointed in y'all's answers. Like, that, is super, <laughs> that is so boring. You wanted to hear that it was like an arm wrestling match. Like, seriously, something. You go to the like, range and whoever has the highest score. That would be so much of a better story. Literally, story. no one cares to watch the movie that has no conflict in it, where it's like everyone just <laughs> is in love and stays in love. It's super boring. So by the next time you guys come on here, we need some knockdown drag out. We need a black eye or a missing tooth. Oh, or something. It's but in the book, Kyle. boys. That's fine. Let's move on to some less lame stuff than that. All right, so let's talk about the latest book. But before we talk about Dark Fall, we need to talk about the Shepherds series. So the Shepherds series is one of the series that you guys have done. You mentioned a few others there. So just to catch readers up, if they're if they're not, you know, we've got a lot of new listeners even in the last few months. Maybe they've never heard of it. So let's talk about the Shepherds series. What is the Shepherds series about? Well, the Shepherd series is a is sort of an Andrews and Wilson. If you know Andrews and Wilson, if you've read Tier One, if you've read Sons of Valor, if you've read any of our other stuff, I think that um, there's a certain expectation of what that brand implies. And I think that when people see that it's published by Tyndale House, some people go, "Oh, I wonder if I'm going to get Andrews and Wilson." And the answer is, you are. So, um, you know, there's been this is a faith-based series. It's published by Tyndale House, one of the largest Christian fiction publishers in the world. And I think that there are people that go, oh, I wonder if, what I'm going to get here. There is a changing face of Christian fiction, and uh, we're part of it. And we're so excited to be part of, you know, the, the pointy tip of that spear because people are realizing that you don't have to have, you know, the woman in the bonnet on the back of a wagon on the cover of every Christian book that, you know, Christians will also read action adventure. And this is a book that it can appeal to people at any level of faith and of any faith because it asks universal questions. So this is the Shepherd series has uh, all the Andrews and Wilson covert operations and special operations combat scenes, but with an additional element of two things that are important to us. One, we talked about it at the beginning of the show, our passion for helping men uh, that are in a crisis of faith. So we have a main character who struggles with that, someone who has faced real evil and is not sure what he thinks about this whole God thing anymore, even though he used to have a passion for it. And the other thing that has been really fun for us is we have some very speculative, supernatural, spiritual warfare elements in this book, which is a little bit new for our brand. But um, it's done in a way that is, you know, just sort of folds into that special operations thing. So that's sort of the 30,000 foot view of what Shepherds was set out to do. I'll let Brian tell a little more details about what the Shepherds is. Yeah, so I think, you know, this was born from the idea that, um, you know, are there are there things happening behind the scenes that, that you don't see? Are there evil forces and good forces at work, uh, not pulling the strings, but maybe trying to influence outcomes? And so we played around with that idea. And the Shepherds is an organization that's been around for centuries, operating with the knowledge that you know, evil is trying to move chess pieces on the board and that, you know, you just can't stop that necessarily by, you know, getting on your knees and praying that, 
you know, certain, th- certain threats require strength and, and action uh, to operate against and to stop. And so the Shepherds organization is sort of the, the metaphor is just in the name. You know, the Shepherds are the guys with the stick that are willing to step up and risk their lives to protect the flock. And the flock is everybody else who doesn't know what's going on. And maybe the people that don't want to fight or aren't equipped to fight. That's what the shepherds are. And what's fun uh, with this series is, you know, us trying to figure out how would this work in real life? And if you were facing some supernatural evil threats, you know, what are the tools in your tool bag? And what are the skill sets would you need to develop? And what allies could you recruit in that you know, sort of secret war that's going on behind the scenes. So it's a very rich universe. It's world building, lots of big cast of characters, uh, cool stuff. So with that in mind, this is the third book, so I might as well show it on screen. So this is Dark Falls. So this is the third installment of the series. And so we've got Dark Intercept, Dark Angel, and now Dark Fall. And so talk to me a little bit about the trajectory of where this is going. So, because, you know, the first two in the series have a, a definite kind of feel and theme to them in dark fall. It's a little bit different. Is that indicative of where this series is going? You know, can you tell us like how many books are going to be in this series? And I guess just overall, what can fans expect from dark fall? Um, well, we write all of these, not all of them, but most of our series, we like to write in trilogies and they can be, you know, back to back trilogies. Um, but, it's a lot more fun for us to take the arcs of the characters through more than one book because in real life, bad guys don't just appear and then conveniently die for you at the end of, you know, one engagement. (laughs) So um, what we do in dark intercept is really set the stage. uh, And by the end of that book, you know, you're aware of, okay, the shepherds exist and, and, you know, maybe Jed is going to have opportunity to work with these guys and Dark Angel, he goes into the organization. He realizes, oh, he gets a peek behind the curtain. I see there's a lot more going on here than I thought. And then Dark Fall is really sort of that closing of that first trilogy with Victor as the villain. And, and we like to say that Dark Fall is sort of like our return of the Jedi. You know, it's like the bad guys have woken up to, oh boy, you know, the good guys are really coming after us and we need to take it to the next level. And the good guys or maybe caught on their back foot a little bit. And uh, when the fight is taken to their home, you know, suddenly it feels very bleak, uh, very, very bad. And, and uh, we, we have an epic ending in this book that we're, we're really excited about. Yeah. I think it's one of the most exciting climax sequences we've, we've written. It's really, really powerful. And all the characters have an arc that sort of doesn't resolve, but comes to a point of satisfaction at the end of this third book. Um, and, and there will be more books. We've signed an additional uh, three book deal. There'll be at least six. Um, and I think we mentioned to you before that it's been optioned for television. So that's mm-hmm. a development. So the, the, for sure, this thing's got some legs and we'll be doing some more, but we will be, and I think this might be what you were hinting at. We will be pivoting in book four. We've sort of taken ourselves on this big journey of where is Jed going? Is he going to be able to find his faith? Is he going to be able to find the strength he needs to live and work in this environment? What about Sarah Beth? What about David and Rachel? How will this all come together as a team? And all of that is answered in book three, which is really a launching point for now where this team and unit can go next, which is fun. And we're excited about it simply because that's our current work in progress. We're wrapping up probably over the next 10 days, the rough draft, the first draft of, uh, of Dark Rising, which is the fourth book in the series. 
Very cool. There's your breaking news, guys. You already know what the name of the fourth one's going to be. But so, so with that in mind, I'm always curious for creators like yourself because, okay, so you know you have six of these in mind, and you're you're technically a little bit over halfway there, as you just said. So, and I mean, you guys can change your minds, and maybe you can just tell me just generally what you think about this. But there are people that love when the television series or the book series or whatever has a nice tidy ending at the end. So for you guys, it would be at the end of the sixth book to where every character arc has, has come back to the ground. There's, there's, there's resolution for everybody. That doesn't mean that everybody's dead or everybody's living alone in the meadow and having a great time or whatever the thing is. Right. But then there are other people that they love to just make everyone angry and they love watching the world burn and they just leave it like the end of the Sopranos where it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, did, did my TV just cut out? Like, is he dead? Is he alive? Like, there's always this angst that you leave. And sometimes that leads the, the fans of that series that want more, that aren't going to get any more to go back and reread or rewatch or any of those things. Can y'all give us a hint as to what you're feeling it's going to be yeah. like with this series? Are you going to leave us happy or sad? Well, I'll tell you, I can tell you this in general terms. Um, and and I think that you'll always be happy, of course. But um the, here's the here's the important thing, and this is part of the art of writing series. We and we actually lecture and talk about this at writing conferences a lot. The art of series compared to a standalone book is if you have a series, you need to do two things with every single book. You must set the stage and stimulate interest in where the story will go next. But you can't do that going to commercial cliffhanger in every book because it just simply pisses people off, including me, right? So, so you have to, each book must be a standalone book where there is resolution of some major arc of that book. And then it can also have another thread that you know is going to go into this. So you can leave a cliffhanger of, oh, what's happening next, but you must have resolution and satisfaction at the end of every book. And I think that's true in our genre, maybe more than any other genre. But what we try to do and what the secret to what we've done in tier one, for example, is, is we don't mind bringing in new characters, bringing characters that are main characters and putting them in the background for a couple of books, or even, God forbid, we've done this too, killing them off. And now they've got new people and new organizations, new allies, new enemies. And so by bringing people in, so let's say you have a three book trilogy. Well, during those three books, there might be one main bad guy that's not going to resolve until the end. But others have come and gone and new good guys have come and gone. So we want each book to stand alone. We want each trilogy to sort of feel satisfying. And we want the whole series to feel like it flows one book to the other. But you feel satisfied when you close the book at every page. So all of that to say this, I think that most readers are happy at the end of all the books because there is a resolution and a feel that good has triumphed over evil but not that naive thing that now evil is gone, right? Because that's not the world we live in. We want people to understand there will be another challenge for these characters. There is another challenge for us in our society. Just because we win one victory doesn't mean evil is going to leave us alone now. Uh, and that's sort of what we try to do here. Is that is that sort of answer your question without giving anything away? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, that's philosophically it's different for everybody because, again, your audience is not always going to want the same thing from you guys. And then it's kind of the same thing with music. Music's probably a little bit easier for me to think about. So you have your favorite band, but if you found them with their first album and if any point down the road they change their sound, 
you're like, well, that's almost like an affront to who you are as a person. Like, yeah. like Metallica is kind of, kind of one of those, because you know, you have kill them all. And then you have ride the lightning and uh, master of puppets. And then you got injustice for all black album and then black album started to chill out. And then they did fuel and refuel. And everyone's like, wait a minute, is this the same band? They cut their hair and they took it as a personal affront. Whereas a lot of other people are like, Hey, this is great. It's showing me their range. It's, you know, a comedic actor doing a dramatic role type thing. Would you say, would you kind of co-sign the same things that, that Jeff said, Brian? Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we tend to look at our characters. You can think about your own life. You could say, okay, well, you know, I, I was this person as I went to high school. And then if you, if you go to college, it's another set of adventures. And then maybe you meet somebody and you get married and now you're married for a while in that stage of your life. And then you have a child and that brings new challenges. And then you raise that child and they get to high school and a whole new set of challenges. And we look at our characters like that. They're going through their lives facing challenges. And just because something was resolved doesn't mean that they stop living, right? The, the, the next thing, the next evolution of their career and their personal life is going to unfold. And I think for us, that is really appealing because that's why we're telling stories. We're not telling stories because it's a one and done. We're telling a story because we care about these people and we're interested to see what happens to them next and how do they face different challenges as they gain and lose things over the course of the series. And that's, gotcha. a, little, that's a little different in our genre. I think it's one of the things that sets us apart in our genres. You know, a lot of iconic characters, and I love both ways of doing it. I'm not, it's not a one is better than the other. But a lot of iconic characters, they're the same in book one as they are in book 19. They yeah. don't change. It's a new challenge, a new story. But you know exactly what that guy's going to do because, and you love it because you love that character. We do it a little differently, and that's a little unusual in the thriller genre in that our characters change and evolve over time. Je you know, John Dempsey in book seven, which comes out in February – he is not that dude you met in book one. And most people noticed in book four, he wasn't the same. Well, he's not the same yeah. now as he was in book seven. And as a writer, as a creative type, that's fun and exciting. And hopefully it is for the reader too. But it's fun to be able to grow these people and have them change over time. I'm not the same as I was in 2006 on 2005 in my first deployment. I'm not the same as I was then. So right. why should our characters be stagnant? But it gives you more fodder too, more exciting right. things, relationships, characters, that sort of thing. Well, the interesting thing about that as well is there's still some core ele elements of who that person is. They're just acting them out differently. So to use another uh, another music example, so this is an obscure band that not, not, not a lot of people know about, but it's a band called He Is Legend. And if you listen to however many albums they have now, six or seven or whatever, they, if you're an, an unskilled listener of that band, then you're going to think it's seven different bands. But if you, if you listen to that band and you like that band, there's enough elements to be like, whoa, this, this is so different and so weird, but that's definitely he is legend. And that's how it feels with some of these books. Like it's, it's going to get stagnant if you get to book six and it's the same Jed, you know, it's the same guy doing some of the same stuff, you know, solving some of the same problems. So um, this next question here, actually, I'm going to do something that I've never done on my podcast before. So we're breaking new ground here, but this is a shout out to Amanda Woods over there at Tyndale. Okay. So one thing that they do is whenever they send you the advanced copy of the book, they send you a little cheat sheet if you're lazy, right? 
And so this little <laughs> cheat sheet gives you like, you know, 10, 15 questions to ask if you're the lazy person that doesn't want to read the book and doesn't really care about the interview or anything like that. So I purposely never look at this sheet at all, but for whatever reason, I glanced at it this time. And the very last question on here, I don't know if Amanda wrote it or not. I'm giving her credit. I loved this last question. So I'm going to ask it to you guys and hopefully uh, you haven't been asked it before, but I'll read it straight off the sheet. And now we're wishing that we paid attention to Amanda's emails. Yeah. Because no, I didn't even know she did this. So it's going to be even better. Part of the reason why I do that, where I don't read these canned questions, is because the answers from the people I'm interviewing, they come off too slick. They come off too smooth, too planned. And I don't like that very much. I like, you know, kind of them figuring it out as they're talking. So let me read it right off here. All right. When readers turn the last page of this series, how do you hope that they feel? What new idea or lesson do you hope they carry with them? So I love that question because there are movies like we've already talked about. There are movies, there are series, there are books, there are whatever, any form of entertainment where you get to the end and you feel something, anger, disappointment, sadness, satisfaction, something like that. And everyone, this is somewhat related to the last question, but I really want to key on, on that word feel. So let's just keep it to dark fall then not necessarily the series, but when they turn the last page on dark fall, what do each one of you wish that your reader would feel? Well, one of the big themes of Dark Fall, and since you read it, you'll know this, is this idea that, you know, the community is stronger than the individual, right? So as you get to the end of the book, and this isn't a spoiler, but our characters realize that, you know, evil really wants you to feel alone and that you're having to take the hill by yourself. And they try to put blinders on. It tries to put blinders on you so you feel like, you're alone in this battle. And the fact is you're, you're only alone if you choose to be alone. So what the characters realize is maybe I can't win by myself, but if I team up with my, with my bros and my sisters and my brothers and my community, my family, I'm much stronger. So that's what I want people to take away from is this metaphor of the bundle of sticks. Maybe you can break one stick, easily but the bundle of sticks is too hard to break i like i like that answer a lot now mine feels like childish but um <laughs> because because that's something that we talk about um both in and out of our writing you know brian's answer is right out of the you know the veterans ministry right it's right what we try to teach people that community is the key to the whole thing you know i know at your church you and i talked about this before uh kyle that it's all about groups, right? Like Sunday's great and praise and worship is awesome. And the message is important, but it's really about the relationships. It's about that acts to church living out your faith together. So that's a great answer. I would say that the other thing, uh, so I'm not going to compete with that, but the other thing that I want people to get, because we're writing about the nature of good and evil, we're writing about it in a very intense in your face way that can be disturbing at times. I hope that at the end of each book, but most especially this book, Dark Fall, that people walk away with a sense of hope. You know, we've all we've all read the book and we know how it ends, but that doesn't change. Uh, I'm going to talk about our books. We're talking about the Bible. We all know how that book ends. Um, and so that's hope. But that doesn't change the suck that you're in right now, does it? And so hmm. I want people to take away that sense of hope that when you are responsive, when you're in community, when you're doing the right thing, when you choose the hard right over the easy wrong, have hope to know that good does triumph over evil, even though it looks for all the world like that's not the case at times in our world. It is. And so that's the hope I hope people take away. 
Well, and, and Jeff, that's a great answer. And Brian, yours was as well. What, what comes through with both of your answers are things that speak to the core, to the soul, to the heart of a man. And what we know and what everybody at Tyndale and everybody at any publishing house knows is that men don't read books for whatever reason, yeah. especially Christian men. That is like a dearth. There's Wild at Heart, which sold over a million copies. And then there's everyone else's crappy version trying to be the next Wild at Heart, right? And it's like men, it's they, they just don't care or they pretend to be too busy or whatever. But I got to be honest with you guys, and this is different for you and it's different for me. You know, I've read close to 50 books so far this year. That's going to be a record for me. But I talk to these guys that just don't read. And when you bring it up to them, they look at you like you're the weirdo because yeah. it's like, and I remember a buddy of mine back in the day, he's like, there's two kinds of people in this world. There are readers and then there are morons. And so it's just like, <laughs> but most guys don't, they don't buy into that. They don't agree with that. They're just like, Hey man, I've got another fantasy football draft coming up. You know, I need to, you know, spend some time trying to get to the next level, whatever video game, you know, they're not going to tell you this, but it's like, Hey, I spend way too much you know, time looking at porn and masturbating. You know, they've got all these other things and they love to blame it on somebody else. I would read more, but my work, I would read more, but my business, I would read more, but my kids, I would read more, but my wife, like they always do that. So I guess this is almost like me imploring you guys to give a pitch to people in my audience. Now, if you're in my audience and you don't read, you're literally a moron and we don't need you here. But like for, for, for what that, for what it's worth. Good marketing. Me, yeah, exactly. I'm great. I don't want you listening to my show anymore. Go away. But like, give me a sense of why you think that is why men don't read and then give us a pitch as to why we should. I think they, I think men make more excuses about reading than women. Um, that's true. I, uh, th we know that statistically, you know, if you look at, and even in this series, it's a very action adventure series. We have an enormous amount of female readers because they're the readers, right? Um, so my pitch for reading is this, all of us, you know, even the guys that don't read, they go and sit and they go watch the Reacher series on, on uh, Prime, right? And they're going to watch Jack Ryan and they're going to go to the next Bourne movie. And so it's not that they don't like to escape into another universe and be entertained, but they just don't, either they haven't read the right stuff or they don't understand that that's what it is. We're not trying to teach you stuff. That's not what writers are trying to do. We're trying to entertain you just like a film producer and a really good book is really entertaining. It's an opportunity to escape into a universe, to learn some things about things that you haven't experienced yourself. But I would say to experience those things. A good writer can actually have you experience the things with their character. And just as a, as a side note to the Christian fiction side, those people that are going to be convinced to read because of that pitch are still not going to read Christian fiction because they're like, I don't want to be preached to. This is a new breed of Christian fiction, and I really want to give my second shout out, I know, to Tyndale House for embracing this with us. I'm a Christian man, and I went to the last Bourne movie. I still like to be entertained. I like manly stuff, and I like you know gritty adventure, and it is out there, and that's what this series is, and we're not the only ones doing it. We're, we're among the, I guess we're sort of pioneers. There's only a few doing it right now, but it is growing, so Go out and read and be entertained. Escape into the entertaining universe of somebody else's experience. And don't be afraid to, to dip your toe into the, into the faith-based fiction because it's not like it was 10 years ago, that's for sure. What did I miss, Brian? No, I love that answer. I love that answer. I mean, the only, the only other thing I would say maybe is it's, it might sound ironic, but as a reader, you actually have a lot more control over the experience than you do as a television watcher. And what I mean by that is you know, when you turn on the TV, you pretty much have to watch the thing start to finish and all the visuals, the story is put 
into you. You're very, it's a very passive way to consume the content. It's fun, it's easy, but it's pretty passive. Uh, when you pick up a book, uh, the first thing that happens is you start to realize, wow, like I'm picturing these characters and I'm imagining this entire universe unfolded. You have some agency and you also have, uh, strangely, I, I think you have a relationship with those characters. It's almost like a very intimate experience because now like you're in the heads of these characters. Uh, you're, you're really seeing the world and, and tackling the problems through their eyes. That is not something that happens in film and television. You don't get internal monologue. You're watching an actor do it. Whereas in a story, I think you have more personal stakes. We write our books that way so that you feel like you are going through the struggles and tribulations with the actual characters. And so I think what's kind of cool is you're right, Kyle, we don't have as many male readers as we do, but when you see their reviews, they're like, wow, I did not expect that. You know, I did not expect to feel this way. I'm starting the next book right away. Um, so yeah, take, take a chance to maybe disconnect from the television or from your computer. It's a quiet, personal experience when you read a book. Very different. So with that in mind, we'll make this the last uh, question of the day. So I know some people struggle with fiction. Some people struggle with nonfiction. People are kind of all over the place. But I know both of you guys personally have some very strong feelings about a lot of things that are currently happening in this country, whether that, you know, and we won't name any, you know, by name, but there, there's a lot of things that people know that are going on right now that are affecting the church, that are affecting the American family, that are, you know, affecting the American dream, the American way of life, the West in general. And you can really extrapolate that all out and get really, really ethereal with everything. So can supporters of you guys ever expect either one of you to kind of venture more so into the nonfiction space where you take on some of these manhood issues and these soul level, society level issues and kind of come out of the world of fiction for a bit? Um, I don't think, I don't see a, a nonfiction book other than the one we've been toying around with about leadership and, you know, being, being a leader in your business and in your family and your church and your community. That's something that we've talked about, but I will say that like our fiction, it's going to be about coming together. Like, I think that we, we all three have very strong opinions on lots of things that are going on in the world, but but diving in with that strong opinion and being the two millionth voice in that debate, we don't see as very beneficial. What we prefer to do is we prefer to focus on the things that bring people together. Not saying that we shy away from hard issues, but we do it in a different way. And so if we were to do nonfiction, it would be with that, with that bent. I will say that we are very active in that space of, of sharing experiences with especially with men, it uh, tends to be more focused um, because of our military background. Um, but we share those things intimately in those settings. Uh, you know, we gave a message at Grace Family Church recently. We're going to Costa Mesa and we're going to share a very powerful message, I hope, about how to find peace for yourself after combat service. And so we do tackle those things, but it's just a different venue. Other than leadership book, Brian, is there anything else to you? Well, I guess, you know, no, I don't, I have nothing to add to that other than to say, you know, one thing that weighs a little heavy on, on my soul or my heart a little bit is, you know, we're, we are writing action adventure. There's violence in our books and it's a form of escapism, but both Jeff and I have had uh, events, not that not happened to us, but that we witnessed recently in our communities where 
men uh, escalated to violence and conducted violence on their neighbor uh, instead of just talking it out or having a more mature a conflict resolution. And so, yes, in the Shepherd series, we have good guys fighting demon-possessed people with weapons, but you don't solve your disagreement with your neighbor by pulling out your piece or by slamming their head into the concrete because they didn't agree with you on the PTA or something like that. So yeah, I'm concerned that, you know, we're starting to look at violence as an acceptable means of conflict resolution in cases where violence is not necessary. So I don't know how we walk ourselves back from that, but I think it's incumbent upon people like the two of us who are speaking and Kyle on your show that we remind people that we, as a man, you have an obligation to think with all parts of your brain and, and not be so reactive and always resort to violence. Yeah. Not be so reactive that you default to that because, you yeah. know, you talk to people that are concealed carry people that don't know how to fight with their hands. Well, because they don't know how to fight with their hands, they're going to be more apt to grab their, their firearm or their pistol or something to, to end a conflict of some kind. Uh, they're not learning the other skills that are involved with that. Because if you're going to be a concealed carry, you're obviously need, need to make sure that it's a last ditch, you know, you know, last resort before you go to something like that, if you can spare human life in some way, shape or form. And I think that that's a good word for a lot of people, because as we, as we go through this world, there's nothing virtuous about a weak man, but the society is trying to tell us that that's a virtuous man. No, a man that's incapable of violence is not a virtuous man. He's a useless man. But if you are able to be truly meek in the true words of what meek was supposed to mean, even in our modern parlance is where you have a tremendous amount of violent capability, but you leave it sheathed until it's necessary. You leave the sword in the sheath until it's absolutely and completely necessary. And I feel like right now we have a society that's trying to tell people don't be violent for any reason whatsoever ever and that's virtuous and then you have the other side which is like go looking for it go knocking down doors if you need to find it but if i go any further i'm going to start you know yeah. evangelizing and you know preaching and doing different things like that but guys i'm so happy to have you on the show every time you come on i'm big fans of you both and of the work that you put out there and especially for for the christians that that want something that's kind of in that exciting vein of fiction but it's coming from a better worldview than maybe some of the stuff that they're going to be getting on the marketplace I think it's great, but that's all for me. Is there anything else either one of you want to get off your chest? No, but thank you so much for this. And thank you for the last comment. I would add one thing to your last comment without setting us off on that path. And that is, I love that analogy of if you're carrying a concealed weapon, you better know how to fight so you don't have to use it. I would right. say you got to continue that all the way to the left. If you know how to fight right. and you carry a concealed weapon, learn how to have a conversation so that you don't have to do either one of those. Right. And that's, and that's the real concern. But um, the only thing I would leave people with is, you know, uh, if you're a veteran, if you're military, we're here for you. Go to our website. There's resources there. There's links there to things like this event at Costa Mesa, but other things, other people that we're in relationship with, like Jen and Tom Satterley and the All Secure Foundation, as an example, Seal Legacy, uh, Tim Cruikshank, the great uh, work he's doing. We're available to you. you. When you left the military, you didn't leave your brothers and sisters behind. We're all still out here. So stay connected and be in community. That's what I want to leave people with. Yep. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> well, that is excellent. Well, Brian Andrews and Jeff Wilson, thank you for coming back on Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. Anytime, Kyle. Thanks again. Thanks for having us. 
There you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed another appearance of Andrews and Wilson on the podcast. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So again, just a reminder, go to the Origin website. That's originmain.com to check out their full line of Origin and Jocko Fuel products. Geese, jeans, boots, protein, energy drinks, supplements, a whole bunch of other stuff. Use the promo code Kyle, my first name, K-Y-L-E, to get 10% off your order. So in the show notes today, I've got a link to that Battle Scarred event. Again, if you guys are listening to this on time, this will apply to you. But if it's after the time of the event, you know, it just kind of is what it is. But I've also got all the links for Andrews and Wilson. So you can go to their website, their social media, where you can buy the new book, Dark Fall, everything else. So it'll all be right there for you. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the show. We do appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Cutting the Ties, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah.